The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to fapc.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Let us hold on to that truth as we read today's passage for the day from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now allow me to bring us up to speed to this point in Exodus by quickly running through the cast of characters we have met thus far. Two weeks ago, Scott introduced us to the king of Egypt, a man so threatened by the Hebrew people that he used his power to subjugate and oppress them. Last week, we met Shifra and Pua, the badass midwives whose courage and cunning saved the lives of countless infant boys. Today, we encounter Moses, a biblical figure most of us are probably well acquainted with from our Sunday school days. He's the baby who was saved from certain death when his mother put him in a basket and sent him down the Nile. He's the man who witnessed an act of violence against the oppressed and responded with violence against the oppressor. 
He's the felon who ran for the hills when his crime was discovered and assumed a new identity as a shepherd. Moses is the one God appears to in the middle of the wilderness and speaks to from a burning bush. In his summary of Exodus, Old Testament scholar Thomas B. Dozeman identifies two themes that are interwoven throughout this book of the Bible. First, Exodus shows us the nature of divine presence in the world. And second, the character of divine power. The story of Moses' call in Exodus 3 is a perfect example of both of these themes. Let's start with what it says about God's presence. Now, there is no denying that when God shows up, God shows up in a big, overwhelming, even terrifying way. Lest Moses confuse this divine presence with some lesser being, God makes it clear to him beyond the shadow of a doubt that the creator of the universe has arrived by speaking to him through a non-burned burning bush. But then God qualifies that presence by saying, I have observed the misery of my people. I have heard their cry. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, the God Moses encounters in the wilderness is big and scary, but also compassionate and just. A God who is watching and listening and willing to do something about the suffering of God's people. But the passage continues. And then the Lord said, the cry of the Israelites has now come to me, and I have seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of that place. And that right there is our second theme in action. That right there is where we glimpse the character of God's power but it's not the kind of power we would expect from a divine ruler or even a human one for that matter. After all, God doesn't need Moses. We've already established that our God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing our God cannot do. And yet God invites Moses, as imperfect as he is, to participate in the holy work of salvation. God picks a guy with a stutter to speak truth to power. God chooses a lowly shepherd to deliver a nation of people. God used Moses. God empowered Moses. God called Moses. And if the parallels between the world of Exodus and our world today teach us anything, it's that right now, in the midst of all that is going on, God is using us. God is empowering us. God is calling us to participate in the holy work of salvation. Now, I know that call is not a word we throw around in everyday discourse. Unfortunately, it seems as if the notion of call has been relegated to the domain of religious professionals, clergymen and women, people like me. Nearly 10 years ago, this church called me to serve as one of her pastors. And to be honest, back then I felt a lot like Moses did when God called him in the wilderness. I remember thinking to myself, 
Who am I to be called to this community of faith? Who am I to serve this historic institution that has stood the test of time for over 200 years? Who am I to be a minister of the word and sacrament at that big old brownstone church on the corner of 55th and 5th? Who am I to be called as a pastor of 5th Avenue Presbyterian Church? Yet over the course of time, I realize that what makes this church historic, what makes this church special, isn't its longevity or its size or its address. What makes this place, the church it is today, are the scores of courageous and compassionate individuals who have sat in her pews, paced down her hallways, greeted at her doors, served communion in her aisles, and worked in her offices. I realize that what has made this church relevant and important for so long is her commitment to seeing and then serving the least among us, those who are hungry and hurting, without homes and support systems, those in need of some good old-fashioned grace. And I realize that while I was indeed called to be a part of this faith community, I was but one person in a sea of faithful people who have also been called by God to serve this church, to love this community, and to save the world with God's help. For almost 10 years, in life and in death, joy and pain, certainty and unknown, I have been able to faithfully respond to God's call upon my life because I was surrounded by all of you who have been faithfully responding to God's call upon your life. When I had doubt, you gave me faith. When I was afraid, you made me brave. When I was in despair, you offered me hope. When I was lost, you showed me the way. I am here today because you have been with me always. That's the part about divine call that we often forget or overlook. We may hear our calls when we are in the wilderness by ourselves, but we never have to honor them alone. When Moses did indeed return to Egypt, he was reunited with his family. When he crossed the Red Sea, he marched with an entire nation of the oppressed. But most importantly, no matter where he went or what he had to do, Moses was never alone because as promised in the wilderness, God was with him every step of the way. Beloved, the same is true for us today. On this Sunday, my final Sunday as one of your called pastors, my hope is to leave you with a sense of your own call. For you are Called. We are all called to participate in God's holy work of salvation. And not because God needs us, not because God has forsaken us. No, we are called because God invites us, God empowers us to love our neighbor, to speak truth to power, to extend generosity to strangers, to bridge the deepest of divides, and to deliver the oppressed. So no matter how hard the journey, no matter how long the road, my hope is that you hold fast to your faith. 
that you cling to this community and that you trust the words that Jesus left his disciples with long ago. And remember, he said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, since the beginning of time, you have involved us in your holy work. You have invited us to witness what you are doing in the world. You have loved us into being. In light of our sacred call, help us discern who you are calling us to serve, where you are calling us to go, and what you are calling us to do, this day and forevermore. This we pray in the holy name of your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the book of Numbers, God again spoke to Moses and left him with a word of blessing for the people of Israel, a priestly benediction. On this tender day, I leave these words with you now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up her countenance upon you and give you peace, now and forevermore. Amen.